Hey guys, before we dive into the episode, I just want to let everyone know that at some part during the exporting and processing of the podcast, we lost Sean's audio for a handful of minutes. So in the beginning of the episode, you're going to hear me ask him a question, but it's going to be me answering it. So I just want to give everyone a heads up if they were confused there. Um, appreciate you guys checking it out. Hope you like the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Council Gains brought to you by Milo Coaching Systems and also presented by Legion Athletics. You've heard us talk about it plenty of times. Go ahead and check out their supplements. Um, use our code Milo Coaching at checkout for 20% off your first order or double rewards points. Or go ahead and use the link in our bio to access their stuff. Third party tested, super high quality ingredients, also taste pretty good. Like I said, our trusted supplement brand. So definitely check them out. So I want to also say before we dive into this episode, I'm apologizing in advance to all the uh, the council members because this episode is not going to be released until Monday instead of Sunday. I'm leaving as soon as we're done this recording um, to go on a trip for the weekend. Sean's competing at regionals, so I won't be back till Monday where I have my laptop. So sorry to all the council members that are going to have their weeks ruined by that, but hopefully we make it up to you here with a fun one today. So today's topic is accessory work. So we're going to dive all into, you know, watches, sunglasses, necklaces, rings, all types of accessories. No, I'm just kidding. So accessory work as it relates (laughs) to actually lifting. Um, We're just going to talk a little bit about how we program it, why we choose certain ones, just having that conversation of how you can get the most out of your accessory work. So before we get into that, I thought it was super important to define what we consider accessory work. So I'm going to give my answer and then let Sean kind of give his answer on what he defines it as. I'm sure it's going to be pretty similar, but I want to make sure everyone's on the same page when we're talking about it because I think, you know, definitions of terminology is super important when it comes to exercise stuff. So for me, how I structure 95% of my clients' workouts is there's a main movement for the day. Think like a heavy compound squat, bench, overhead, deadlift, stuff like that. And then I have a supplemental exercise, which is something that is supplementally assisting that first exercise. So think like bench for your primary you know, your main movement for the day, your supplemental might be like an axle close grip floor press being supplemental and then accessory work being everything else after that, that is going to assist us towards our goals. That's how I define it. So I have primary supplemental and then accessory work. So when I say accessory work, I'm talking like single joint movements is still definitely can be multi-joint movements. Um, it's not just limited to isolation movements, but in general, where our goal is more hypertrophy or imbalances or anything like that. But that's how I, so accessory for me is anything kind of after that supplemental exercise that we're doing for the day. Obviously it's going to be dependent on what their split looks like and phase and all those things. But generally speaking, that's how I apply it. Sean, would you agree with that definition or do you like to define accessories different just so we can get everyone on the same page? No, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Um, but more from a definition standpoint, I would say like if you look up accessories in the weightlifting dictionary, it would be anything that's not a, I guess, a compound movement or a primary movement that assists yeah. your compound movement in a way that attacks deficits that you have through the movement. So like you said, like with secondaries and uh, supplemental exercises, those are accessories as well. But then you also have... Um, like body build, yeah, bodybuilding style exercises, um, isolation movements, you have core stability. I mean, there, there's just so many things. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, from the base of it, like, like you said, it's usually compound, secondary, supplemental, whatever you want to call it. Um, I usually call them secondary. And yeah. sometimes secondaries can even fall first in a program too, before a compound movement depending on what we're aiming for if like isometrics is or like something. isometric speed pulls speed bench any speed movement yeah. anything like that yeah <clears throat> yeah i think it's important too when we're saying accessories like 
supporting. I also think it's important to add in the asterisk of like, we don't want our accessory work taking away from our primary and supplemental movement. Like we don't want our yeah, accessory work to be the focus it, yeah. of the program. It should add to it. Cause I think some people fall into the trap of they do the primary movement and then the accessory work, they go crazy on crazy high volume, crazy load, all those different things. And then it actually takes away from what the primary movement and the primary goal is. So I want to add that in there too, as well as like when we're defining accessories, yes, it's helping it, but we want to make sure that accessories are not hurting our primary movements. Um, yeah. And I see, sorry, I just want to add this. I see a lot of people who don't necessarily train for anything. They kind of just go to the gym and then they totally Mm -hmm. skip over any compounds and just do accessories. accessories. And I mean, that's fine if that's what you want to train for. But I think there's so much more that just general population, whether your goal is to lose weight, gain strength, gain muscle mass, whatever it might be. If you're not doing a compound movement or a primary movement first, then I think you're missing a little bit of the point. Yeah, Sometimes. I want to also say for the conversation of this podcast, because um, Sean did mention core, which I agree with. But I also think when it comes to the conversation of core, that really could be its own like 30 minute episode on how to do core correctly. So I think yeah. for the point of this conversation, we're going to not include core and conditioning in this. This is just going to be like accessory lifts that we're doing for whatever reason. So um Sean, I'm going to ask you first, when it comes to accessories, so I think first I want to talk about rep schemes. Now, once again, our answer is always going to be, it depends, but generally speaking, um, do you want to talk about some of your goals you have with accessories and how you use rep schemes to match up to those goals? Yeah, I think for me, I look at accessories, I really break it down to two different categories for me with accessories. And then one of those things has two subcategories, which I'll dive into, but I'm looking at it as accessories are either going to be hypertrophy style work so purely muscle building or it's going to be comp specific movement work Um, now like sean said a lot of times i like to make my comp specific movements part of the main movement for the day but there's also times if you have a strongman competition with five or some comps even have six events it's really hard to hit that as a main movement really if we're working out three to four days a week so i try to figure out how we can do that and another example of this would be you know, let's say that one of the events is a max deadlift. Well, that's going to be a primary movement, but you know, let's say you're doing speed yoke. So it's not really a super heavy yoke. It's just about how quick we can do it or speed carry something like that. If it's more of a speed component, I tend to do that more in the accessory category of our workout. Um, you know, because if we're doing a yoke and your max yoke is 700 pounds and that's pretty tough for you, but the comp weight is 430 and we're doing it for speed we don't really need to focus on that as a main movement there's gonna be other things we do for that but we could do accessory works as it relates to speed so kind of once again breaking it down to hypertrophy which i'll get into in a second and then comp specific movements i also look at accessories too of you know let's say um a stone load is one of your events right well we've talked about this before our main movement for the day isn't going to necessarily be a max effort stone load because i think there's a lot better things we can do to improve overall strength for that um, maybe it's a supplemental movement, but I can also utilize accessory work to do like stone lap to chin with holds. Like that's an idea of like, Hey, this is really accessory work because, you know, let's say your max stone is 275. You could use a 150 stone to work on a lot of different things. You could do like that lap to chin. Like I said, you could do lap to chin with holds. You could do stone picks and holds. So I like to think of it, like I said, if I'm talking comp specific accessories, break down the actual event and where they need help in the event. And then how do we work on that? So if they're slow out of the hole, we need to work on that 
lap to chin. If they have a hard time picking it, maybe we need to work on some grip stuff, some upper back stuff, and, you know, just work on picks at a lighter weight. Um, sandbags, similar thing. Like I know Sean uses with a lot of his clients that exercise where you do the band around the hips and you do like a seated sandbag and then stand up with it kind of thing. So like there's a lot of ways you can utilize comp specific type movements in the accessory world where it's not necessarily a super heavy load, but we can utilize it to get better at that. <clears throat> I also think you can utilize when we're on the topic of comp specific accessory work. I think a lot of times you can use it to get better at a movement. So I think especially for people that are newer, if there's a comp coming up where let's say they have <clears throat> a max log press, well, we're probably going to have a day where we're doing log press or some for overhead variation, whether it's barbell as our main movement for the day for the strength purpose of it. But I think there's a lot of times where if skill deficit is an issue with someone, we can utilize a very light load to practice skill during accessory movements. So maybe, you know, day two of the week is a heavy overhead. We're doing singles, doubles, triples, but maybe day four of it on an alternative pressing day, we're actually doing log for eight to 12 reps. And we're actually just working on the technique. We're not trying to fatigue ourselves. We're just trying to build that CNS. Um, and without going too far on a tangent with that, I think, you know, something that I remind newer strongman athletes is a lot of times, if you have good base strength, <clears throat> you'll get really strong on strongman movements pretty fast because you just need to develop the skill of actually doing it. Um, one of the examples I like to use for people for myself, I went through is the Mauser block. And if you don't know what a Mauser block is, look it up so you know what I'm talking about. It's a very awkward thing to press. Love it. Love you, Paul Mauser, if you're listening. But the Mauser block is a tough event technique wise to do. So for me, week one, even though my overhead was like 180 to 200, I could barely do the 120 Mauser block because it was just so awkward. It was awkward to clean. It was awkward to press. So we had spent some time, you know, working on lower weights. And then I went from like 120 to 180 in just a few weeks. Now, did I add 60 pounds to my overhead press in three to four weeks? Likely. Absolutely yes. not. Yeah, actually, oh, yes. No, I was on no, tons of anabolics. Oh, um, <laughs> but is it reality that I got that much stronger or did I, did I just develop the skill? So when I'm talking comp specific accessories, <clears throat> a lot of times I like to use it for skill development for people, especially newer athletes. Now, when you get someone who's been doing strongman for 10 years, that's not as much of a concern, but a newer athlete, that's going to be a big thing. So that's the one side of my equation is like comp specific movements as part of accessories. On the other side of the equation, we're talking hypertrophy work. So my big thing with this for athletes is, and I know Dave Tate talks about this all the time, we need to treat this like a bodybuilder, right? We need to have good tempo. We need to, you know, try to feel the pump, work on that mind-muscle connection, and actually work on building muscle. I think too many times, like strongman and powerlifters, a lot of times we're so in this realm of like just get the weight up regardless of how it looks, which has its place. Obviously, powerlifting, there's more strict rules. But in strongman, like a deadlift, you could literally do whatever the hell you want as long as you're standing with it at the end. It counts. You know, so with that Most being said – <laughs> most of the time yeah i don't want to treat our accessories like that i don't want people muscle fucking our accessories just to get weight up i want you to treat if we're if our focus is hypertrophy i want you to treat it like a bodybuilder get in that mindset go watch pumping iron or uh the original mass monster the dorian yates one or blood and guts and then come well blood and guts is actually probably a terrible example because dorian did tons of body english but regardless <laughs> i like to think of our accessory hypertrophy work as like controlled bodybuilding style movements not just muscle fucking everything time and a place for putting some body English on stuff. Absolutely. I have my clients do that every once in a while with like croc rows or different things, but generally speaking, I want like controlled good tempo movements. 
Um, and tempo is one of those things I'll mess with depending on the phase. So I tend to, when I'm in like a neuromuscular recruitment phase where we're doing eccentrics or, you know, weight releasers or different things in our compounds, I'll also use tempo a lot more for our accessories. But in general, we want to treat this hypertrophy focused accessories like a bodybuilder, not like a strong man or a power lifter would. So when I'm talking about then there's two subcategories of that. I look at it as <clears throat> one, what are their weaknesses we need to address? And like Sean mentioned earlier, a lot of that's going to be based on how our main movements look. So, you know, where's our weakness in the main movement? And then how do we need to assess it with accessories? Um, you know, one example that comes to my mind is people's who, people whose hips are shooting up first in like a squat, for example. And so we know they're fairly posterior chain dominant. So maybe their accessory work is working pretty much predominantly on quadricep function and development. So like that's kind of a component of it too. Um, but once again, we're focusing on hypertrophy. So it's like, how do we build muscle most optimally for this? So like I said, the subcategory of hypertrophy, the one side is going to be addressing weaknesses or, you know, most people in this sport are going to have some form of nagging injury the majority of their career. You know, for me, that's adductors. They've always been an issue for me. So Paul has had me work on a lot of adductor specific stuff like med ball squeezes or Copenhagen planks or something like that to where good I can girls. focus in because, I, yeah, good girls, bad girls stuff, because I know that adductors are a problem spot for me. So we program that specifically because that's a weakness of mine. A lot of people are going to have that. There's something in their body that's a weakness that might cause injury or might cause whatever. So we need to address that. And then the second half of that is once I've kind of addressed weaknesses. Now, if someone has massive weaknesses everywhere, it's a different story. But if it's like, okay, we need to work on their adductors, I make sure I throw that in. Or we need to work on their quads, I throw that in. For the rest of the accessory work, I'm going to be looking at, you know, what are going to be the prioritized body part for that sport? Now, when we're talking strength sports, so powerlifting and strongman, you can almost guarantee that everybody's going to need to work on hamstrings, triceps, upper back, and for strongman athletes, grip. I think you can make the argument for powerlifters not as much, but like those are going to be four main body parts that everybody's going to need work from. I mean, try to find me one pro level strongman that doesn't have massive upper back and like good solid hamstrings and massive triceps. So, like when we're looking at, you know, the events specifically, those are going to be the four muscle groups I'm thinking about of like getting volume in as well of like making sure we develop a big upper back, you know, making sure we develop great triceps because most people are going to have problems locking out. So we need to work on that, you know, grip for strongman, unfortunately, for whatever reason is super neglected by like amateur level athletes, but like almost every competition has like at least one type of grip event. Now it might not, might not be like a rolling thunder. It might be something like a farmer's carrier, but that's grip. So we want to make sure we're working on that. Yeah, exactly. It's not fun to train. So people skip it. And then hamstrings to me is like one of the things I love that Louie always did was like hitting the GHD for like 20 reps, like four by 20 every workout. Cause it's like, we do need to develop hamstrings. So for me, you know, that could look like hamstring curls. That could look like RDLs, like look like whatever. Um, now RDLs, I tend to put more in the supplemental category because they're such a compound movement. Um, but like a staggered stance dumbbell RDL, for example, that's something we could utilize. So there's a lot of options there. Um, but I think, once again, the main thing being when we're talking accessories, let's not take away from the main movement. So maybe we need to just do some band work for accessories. You know, I like having clients have supplemental days where we do just a bunch of band work to get pumps in, work on tendon strengthening, especially hamstrings. So a lot of my athletes hit hamstrings a lot because that's going to be such a super important part. So to kind of summarize, because I just ranted there for a super long time, for me, it's going to be there's two categories, hypertrophy, 
versus comp specific movement accessory. And then when we're in hypertrophy, it's going to be, are we utilizing this to address weaknesses? We're using this to prioritize body parts. That's kind of how I go from there. Um, it's obviously going to be dependent on the rep scheme, but I'm going to say if I'm doing hypertrophy style focused reps, I'm generally going to be in the eight to 20 rep range. I don't usually go a ton higher. Maybe if I do a band of hamstring curls, I'll get to like 25. Um, but generally that eight to 20 rep range. I think if you're going less than eight, you're not really getting the hypertrophy benefits. You would have going more. And once again, that's a long conversation about what actually causes hypertrophy and stuff like that. But generally speaking, rep schemes, like I said, that eight to 20 range is kind of the sweet spot. Now I will say if we're doing comp specific movements, you know, that may be a situation where accessories are three to five reps because maybe we're developing, you know, speed out of the hole on a stone lift. You don't need to sit there and do 12 stone lap to chins. That would be miserable. And we're, that's more of a hypertrophy thing, but maybe, Hey, for that comp specific movement accessory, we want to work on speed and that in the bottom of the hole, maybe power development stuff. Hey, we can go in the three rep range and get a lot of carryover out of that. So I think if you're going for hypertrophy, that eight to 20 rep range is great. If you're going for more speed or rep practice, you could do like three to five, maybe do EMOMs or something like that for rep practice or whatever to build volume. Um, and then the last caveat I'll throw in here with accessories that I like to consider for people is some of my athletes have done this. Some have not. If you have not done this and you're listening, you're probably getting it at some point. Um, I like to take blocks out of the year where we focus in more on like conditioning and just general GPP, especially if we're going to go into a big prep. So a lot of times I'll actually like to utilize accessories where I, I'm making sure we have timed rest periods. So we'll do something along the lines of like, you know, maybe week one is three by 10 with a minute rest and then it's three by 12 with a minute rest and then maybe four by 10 with 45 second rest and four by 12 with, with 45 second rest and like that kind of progression of like we're building volume. We're increasing work capacity. So I think rest periods are important too. Um, I think generally speaking, if you're going for hypertrophy, I think that like 60 to 190 to 120 second rest is probably good. Um, I think if we're focusing on hypertrophy side of accessory, I don't see really needing to hit a set and then, you know, take a five minute rest like you would on a heavy squat. And then kind of going along with rest periods as far as like when we also consider failure or not going to failure in general. And I want to hear your response on failure, Sean. Um, for me, for most of my athletes, most of the time, I'm going to have them do accessory work one to two reps in the tank. I don't love going to failure a lot. I think there's times of the year where we can utilize failure training to be beneficial. Um, there's a lot of caveats with that, a lot of asterisks, and it needs to be done super well and people way overdo with that. So in general, one to two reps short of failure. But what I will like to do sometimes with people, especially newer lifters, is they don't really know where failure is. And so sometimes I will have them maybe for like a week go to failure on accessory work. Maybe we're just doing one set because I think it gives people a good idea and a gauge of like where failure is. And if you've never done that, it, it can be interesting. I wouldn't recommend doing this with something like squats where there's like an actual safety risk. But like, you know, dumbbell bench press, you can just drop the dumbbells afterwards or lateral raises. I think sometimes you'd be surprised. You might think like, oh, I only have one to two reps left in the tank, and then you get 10 more. It just sucks, but you get 10 more. So I think utilizing that every once in a while to gauge where failure actually is. But generally speaking, I'm not having people go to failure except for maybe a couple weeks out of the year during a very specific phase. Um, I know I just talked for a while. So, Sean, I want to hear your opinion on, like, the failure thing, rest periods, or anything else you have for accessories before we wrap up. Um, usually the only thing that I really push AMRAPs to is, like, chin-ups, pull-ups. Um, honestly, that's most of the, like, if we're pushing to failure, it's that. And even then sometimes yeah. I'll put in, like, leave one rep in the tank. Like, um, if I know someone can do 
20 pull-ups, I'll definitely say leave one rep in the tank, you know, like, cause I don't want them doing 25 reps over three sets. Cause that's just way too much. Um, at that point we might as well just be adding weight for the pull-ups because yeah. that, like, yeah. it's defeating the purpose of what we're doing. Um, but what I usually like to do for AMRAPs is one of two things, if it's not pull-ups is time sets or leaving one in the tank. So, um, for example, right now I have Cecil doing on his strongman loading. Um, we've been doing cycles of keg, sandbag, Anabar, trend. Yes, those cycles as well. Um, but we've been doing three week cycles and we started off with sandbag and then we moved to keg and then we moved to stone. We're on stones right now and we've been doing AMRAPs at the end of his working sets at a lighter weight just so we can get some practice in. Um, yep. Not exactly the fastest guy. So, kind of creating a sense of urgency when we're loading, especially for an actual event, you know, where you might have max reps, low stone load in a minute. And we have to push towards failure. It's something that you have to learn how to do a little bit, mm -hmm. um, push yourself. And then the other instance I use it is actually on stuff like squat bench dead. Um, but it'll usually be leave one to two in the tank. Like do not push to failure at all. Or please and, have a spotter. Yeah. And have a spotter or three. Um, or seven depending on how much it is yeah um <laughs> if if you need seven spotters i probably won't give you an amrap <laughs> that way um but it, it won't even be like a weight you can do for 20 reps it might be like hey amrap at, at, at like 70 ish percent let's see if we can push to eight reps you know sometimes i don't like giving people a definitive number of reps because yeah like they might just be an odd person they might be newer to strength training and they just keep adding weight to their um, squat every week, for example, you know, so like if I give them eight reps at this, it might be hard this week, but then it might be like cake the next week. So I'll just mm -hmm. say, Hey, AMRAP, let's shoot for eight or more. Um, if it doesn't go well, stop at eight, or you can push it past eight as long as it's going well, but let's stop at 12 or something like that. If you get that high. Um, and that actually kind of brings me to another point is sometimes for accessories, I do like to give ranges. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that more for people who are a little more experienced, um, for people that are newer, I like to give them exact, um, reps like three by eight, because if I give them three by eight to 12, they might go, okay, cool. I can push this as hard as I can for eight reps, you know, but I might want them to shoot for 12. Um, so if I want them to shoot for 12, obviously I'll have them do 12. Um, but for, someone who's a little bit more experienced and I can explain, Hey, like, let's start with 12 and then kind of add weight, shoot for 12 again, but it's okay if we only do eight. Whereas someone who's newer will go, okay, I see the 12. I want to get all 12 regardless of how those reps look like, yeah, they might yep. end up looking like absolute garbage. Yeah. So, um, that's another thing is, um, ranges. Yeah. I think with the AMRAPs too, it's like, I've definitely had circumstances where I've prescribed, I don't want to subscribe, given that to somebody accessory, main movement or whatever, but I'll usually throw in the caveat of like, if you fail and you miss a rep, we're considering that day a massive L. Like I don't want it going now. Once again, yeah. time and a place for that. But if we're doing a squat and we're doing AMRAPs just to kind of see where we are and you fail that, that should be a good feedback of like, okay, you pushed it too far. We're considering this day an L. I don't want you to die under there. So usually, like I said, that one to two, which sounds like you're pretty on board with. So, um, yeah, I don't think I have much else for accessories. I mean, you know, there's always going to be asterisks and caveats to everything. Um, but generally yeah, speaking, I feel definitely. like we covered it pretty well. Do you have anything else, Sean, before we wrap it up? 
yeah thanks for 1000 downloads guys yeah woo! thousand downloads shout out all the council members um we appreciate everyone's support like always but all right as always follow us on instagram at milo coaching systems sean is at sean underscore mulligan i'm at milo underscore coach underscore kyle check out our website milocoachingsystems.com and thanks again we appreciate you guys so we'll see you guys next week thanks guys